Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about the sexual marital contract, which is nothing that um, anybody thinks exists until they think about it perhaps more clearly. I mean, everybody used to think it existed, but currently it is out of vogue. Probably it'll come back at some point. (laughs) But uh, this is not a piece of paper, but it is something implicit between the spouses that, uh, that we will get to as soon as I tell you to subscribe because we have lots and lots of great subscriber episodes, Um, you know, the oral sex on women one, and then all the others that you care about less. Um, Okay, so what is a sexual marital contract? So let me walk you through the story of Jane. Jane is a woman who you know, she's not a perfect person. She's got some personality issues of some sort. Um, Maybe she is annoying in some way. Maybe she is not the smartest person in the world. Maybe she can be lazy. Either way, um, she wants to hug and kiss her husband and have sex with him. But every time uh, he tells her that she is not good enough, perfect enough, she doesn't communicate well, she's really not that smart, she left there, there's dishes in the sink, and so he can't hug her, he can't kiss her, and he can't have sex with her. You literally know where I'm going with this analogy and still I bet you cannot stop yourself from feeling bad for poor hypothetical Jane that her husband's such a douchebag, right? But meanwhile, <laughs> like what is the situation on the ground for many married men? It is exactly this. And I am the first one to say that women operate differently from men in bed. I have the podcast to prove it and all the posts. But... um But it cannot be just ignored that if you are in a monogamous sexual relationship, just deciding that you are going to cut out basically the only thing that makes you guys not just friends isn't very nice and it isn't very fair. It isn't fair. So if people are very into justice and fairness, which so many people are, particularly women, women are really into that. They want uh, everything to be fair for, you know, children and and everybody else, all the vulnerable populations. But then (laughs) something breaks down when it comes to the idea of fairness within the marriage. Because you cannot put sex like, you you can't say if you do enough dishes, then I'm going to have sex with you. Or if you learn to use I statements from the marital counselor, then I'm going to have sex with you. And I don't ever feel like hugging you or kissing you. But you cannot go outside the marriage for physical touch. You can't really say that and be a nice person. So somehow in recent years, maybe the past, I don't even know how many years or even decades, it has become... Um, on trend to say that you can say this because sex should never be forced and no woman shouldn't do what she doesn't want to do. Now, I think that I have my Responsive Desire podcasts have really blown out of the water. Not that I came up with this idea. uh, I don't know who the hell came up with it. It's just kind of how women work. But um, 
responsive desire means that you may never be in the mood. In fact, that was the subtitle of my post and podcast, Responsive Desire. If you're never in the mood, that's normal. So basically, you're never going to be in the mood. But so, but how then can all sex be forced? It, it can't really be forced. Sometimes you just decide, right, to be a good partner and decide to get yourself in the mood. When you don't decide this ever and you don't decide that you are also going to at least tolerate hugging and kissing but the person can't go outside the marriage for any of it, this is an impossible situation. You know, this is not a fair marital contract for a monogamous relationship. It has nothing to, um, it, it has nothing to do with... Uh, genders or or anything except that of course people feel worse for women than they do for men in the same situation just because it seems sad to think about a woman getting rejected but apparently not sad to think of a man getting rejected I don't know why but it is equivalently sad for any human being to be rejected repeatedly within a relationship that's just sad just like a child picture a child going up to a parent for a hug and the parent is never in the mood for a hug that parent you would think of as an asshole right they never give their kid a hug they only give a half a hug they never kiss them and they don't lay down with them in bed for bedtime they don't cuddle them ever they don't ever touch this kid except to feed them or something they did the harlow the monkey experiment remember there with the with the wire mother i'm sure many of you have taken this introductory psychology class at college or even high school and um, the baby monkeys were had the wire mother a monkey made out of wire and the, the cloth mother and the wire mother had the bottle and so this was to see if the monkeys would bond to the wire mother um, because it gave food well no they just went and got um, you know milk from the wire mother and then they cuddled with the soft mother it's because animals mammals need to cuddle of course, there's a normal distribution of how much they need to cuddle, which is why I have this podcast, right? Because a lot of y'all are married to people who don't like to cuddle at all. Some of those people are getting cuddling needs met from their kids. Some people do not have a cuddle need. But if you are, the younger you are, the more you need to cuddle. And the more male you are, the more you need to cuddle, usually. And if you just cut off the partner who wants to cuddle from all cuddling, this is not a very fair marital contract. This would be similar to your husband saying, I do not want to go to concerts with you because I don't like concerts. However, if you have the audacity to go to a concert with somebody else, I will divorce you. And I will tell our kids <laughs> that you were the reason. <laughs> you know, and crazy shit that people would say about sexual infidelity. You can't say in, in a marriage, it has to be understood that there are things that each person will try to do. And it is, it is really imperative to realize if you are the partner who has been the one who, increasingly I see more and more people with completely sexless marriages, right? Because I guess, I guess the rest of you that are in half sexless marriages are just like, I don't know, waiting longer to see if it's going to improve on its own before you come into counseling. Don't do that. That's a stupid idea. Try to get in now before this shit really hits the fan and you go down to a definitionally sexless marriage of less than 10 times per year. 
If you're at 20 times per year, you should be in sex therapy, right? As long as both of you, one of you at least doesn't want that. If y'all are cool with like even zero times a year, great. You have found your kindred spirit. But if one of you wants to be having a more healthy sex life and the other one is always saying no, 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 this is not going to get better. When's it going to get better? With age? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, you know? It's going to get better with age, with stress. What, add another kid and that'll improve it? Definitely not. So, but anyway, if you are in a relationship, there have to be contracts for certain things. Being kind to each other, right? Being um, generous to each other within reason. Getting each other a glass of water if you are standing up and the other person sitting down. And, like, basic respect that each other has the desire and the need for love in whatever way that person wants to be loved. So if you marry somebody and they have a need for words of affirmation, you can't just be like, fuck you. I'm never going to say anything nice to you because I don't fucking feel like it. That person would be within their rights to leave you because you're being such an asshole. Similarly, you can't really say to somebody, I am do not ever want to have sex again, but I want to remain married. Now, if somebody does say that to you, or if they say, "Mm, no, I don't feel like it now, but like maybe if you were totally different, then I would. So let's go to counseling focusing on making you totally different. I don't want to talk about the sex piece though. Let's go to counseling focusing on you being totally different. And then maybe after that, I could potentially consider maybe not sure, maybe having sex with you or even kissing you. I don't know yet though. Don't get into that situation. So on the the other hand, if if you are the partner who is being handed this uh, breach of contract in which the person refuses to touch you after committing to marry you, you got to really do some internal self-reflection, right? Why are you in this situation? I have a podcast called Why You Think You Don't Deserve a Good Sex Life. This is a podcast subtitled Why You Don't Think You Deserve Any Sex Life. And this is an even worse upbringing, spoiler alert. As I always say, it goes back to the upbringing. So this should not be a surprise. It goes back to the upbringing because who would think that you marry somebody, they say they're going to do X, they totally stop doing X, and then you decide to stay forever for the rest of your life being super upset about it. Only a person that basically believes that they are not worthy of love and they're not worthy of a person kind of sticking to the terms of the agreement is really a breach of contract. Now, I'm not saying that you should say because we're married, you need to have sex with me three times a week. And if you don't, I'm going to leave you. The people that are listening to this that need the wake up call are so far from that end of the spectrum. They're people who would find it hard to tell their wife, if you don't have sex with me three times in a year, I might possibly consider doing the dishes less often. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the level that we're at. The people that need to hear this podcast are the people who are struggling with deep-seated issues of low self-esteem, and they try to overcompensate in every which way. Not that they don't also have their outbursts and sulkiness and whatever, but overall, they try, they do try to be, they are faithful, certainly faithful, and they try to be in some way committed. They're certainly uh, usually the financial providers, statistically given as they're the males. And um, although, as I always say, female breadwinners are increasing. But um, anyhow, 
they, they are the people who will not self-advocate, who will not say, you know what, we're married, so we got to have a sex life because this is like, you know, an important part of being married to me. It's an important part of expressing love. It's something I signed up for. I love you and all, um, but if, if I never have sex again, it's not cool with me. If I only have sex where you are wishing that you were on a different planet during, the, during it and it's only five times a year, that's not cool with me, etc. People that struggle with feelings of low self-worth, which originate in a childhood where you were not treated as very important are the exact people who struggle with realizing that they are important now and therefore they are unable really to uh, say something like hey something very obvious like hey this is a marriage you are not allowed to like not not touch me ever and also tell me that I can't touch anybody else and also remain married to me so often these men are the ones who are and there's sometimes women in this situation as well um, and these people are in a dream world really um, and they're used to being in a dream world because it was an escape that they had from their bad family of origin was to go into a dream world about when I will have a perfect life and when I will get out of here and what my life will be like and what I will do, which is a common coping mechanism for children in unhappy homes as they develop an active fantasy life, not just sexual fantasy, but fantasy about how they are going to be in this great way that is so different than now. And um, now they're doing the same thing. You know, they are in this fantasy world that this is going to change, that somehow this is going to change. And maybe, I mean, there's men that literally say when the kids are out of the house, out of the house. This is talking about like 18 years old. That's when we're going to have a sex life. Really? At that point, she will have been after menopause for already like two to five years. How? How is a sexless marriage from years, decades in the making going to revert to um, an active sex life after the kids are out of the house? It makes no sense. It only makes sense if you're used to basically escaping into a fantasy world in order to self-soothe, which is what happens to many kids, again, that grew up in unhappy homes. So if this resonates with you, um, I entreat you to think about what you would advise your children to do in a, a situation like this, where, for example, they had a friend, you know, who said, we're going to be friends, you're going to come over my house, and we're going to hang out and play video games, and then the kid tries to go home with their friend, and their friend's like, no, I'm not playing any video games with you, I don't like you, what I want you to do at this house is just sit in my room, I'm going to play video games by myself. You would tell your, your kid, you say, never go over that house again. They told you one thing and they did another and they sound like an asshole on top of it. Don't go over that kid's house. But what are you modeling if you remain in a loveless and sexless marriage when that is a big priority of yours or even a hugless and kissless marriage for years and years and years, despite knowing in your heart that this is something that you signed up for and expected to have. But instead, you're just deciding to kind of let your whole life go away from you by not reckoning with it. So what do I advise? I advise to go to couples counseling, of course. Or if you're not the sort, if, if you're the sort of person who's like, nah, my spouse never going to go to couples counseling, well, then you have to think about why you are staying in such a situation. Then I advise individual therapy to bolster up your confidence and help you understand the origin of these issues that make you stay in such a shitty situation where there is a breach of contract, the same breach of contract that would be there if it, there's a contract that you're going to be courteous to your spouse. If you walk in the door and they punched you in the face, you might react. You might say, that is not what we do, you crazy lunatic. When somebody walks in the house, instead you say hello, you know? And if they kept on punching you in the face, I hope that you would leave. But 
it's uh, many men would pick that situation of the punch in the face over the sexless marriage for decades, yet they're in the latter and they would leave with the former. Maybe. Most men would. So think about this if it, if, if it applies to you, because you only have one life, you know, and you don't want to be with somebody that does not think about you at all as a romantic partner when you only get one go round and you cannot think to yourself possibly that you would advise your child to stay in such a situation. So think about why you think that you are so worthless that you should deserve to stay in it. You're not, and you don't. So think about it with, with enough impetus and enough pep talks, many people will reach out for counseling. I've seen it happen, you know? And sometimes that can be transformative or can at least help somebody transform on their own such that they understand what sort of situation they're in and their options and they feel like they're maybe a little bit less powerless and less hopeless and less stuck. All right, I hope you guys got something out of this and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.